0: And welcome back. It's a new season and we're here again. You probably thought that you got rid of us, but we're more persistent than that. And we're here, we're back, and we're going to talk about all the reasons that you shouldn't be upset that LeBron was being really fun at that AAU game.
1: It's like season two. That wasn't that funny. You said it was going to be funny, and it wasn't that funny. So.
0: Come on, it was kind of funny.
1: No, it wasn't, though, actually. It
0: is ridiculous that people are saying that he's, like, I don't know. The fact that people were complaining so much about him, like, being himself at an AAU game and cheering on his son is just, like, I don't know. I, I think it's completely totally absurd, but that's just me.
1: Well, we're a football show, so who cares?
0: Good. <laughs> well, on that note, the 2019 NFL season is officially starting tomorrow night. 19- uh, we're recording this on the 31st of July, so tomorrow is the first NFL game. It's the Hall of Fame game, 8 o'clock tomorrow night. The Atlanta Falcons play the Denver Broncos, uh, kind of kicks off Hall of Fame induction weekend. So we're here, like we're we're ready to go now, which is awesome. It's great to have football back.
1: Happy birthday.
0: Oh boy, you're going to use this the entire time, aren't you? I'm
1: going to figure out how to, Yeah
0: great we're we're learning on
1: the fly here folks
0: <laughs> all right well to this get you ready for what
1: this is great i'm so happy i did this good
0: <laughs> i'm glad you're happy you i'm not never. sure anybody i'm not sure anybody else is but i'm glad that you are to get you ready for the nfl season well, like i was saying before we have some questions that we came up with and we're just going to go through I try and answer them, catch you up on what happened this off season. I and, came uh, I came up with. It was a collaborative process.
1: Nah. I disagree. Yeah, come on.
0: It was a collaborative process. You I, had like I,
1: you put like one.
0: Uh, yeah, well, right, anyway. We're going to go through, we're going to Answer some of these questions. It'll cover a bunch of topics from free agency to the draft and kind of beyond. And along those lines, uh, try and get you caught up so that you're ready when the season starts for real. For real, in a couple of weeks. Um, and I think we should just dive in. I I want to talk first about which new coach you are the most interested in. So a whole bunch of new coaches took over for different teams. Which coach has kind of piqued your interest so far?
1: Well, Matt LaFleur is a good-looking guy. Adam Gay says those weird eyes, so I don't know. Mm. All right, anyway. <laughs> see, that was funny. Yours? Oh, I see funny. what you're saying. You get it? Oh,
0: yes, I did all right, not. <laughs>
1: all right, well, the one I was going to say, and I don't know. You might say this one, but the one I'm most interested in is uh, Bruce Arians. Um, Son of a bitch. Yeah, I know. I knew you were going to choose that one, which is why I said it first. Um, but anyway, yeah. Bruce Arians, new head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Two years ago, Bruce Arians addressed the Arizona Cardinals locker room and said that that would be the last NFL game he ever coached, but he's a dirty liar because he will coach another one come September. So what the hell, Bruce? Nah, it's okay, Bruce. When he comes back, he's gone. he's in Tampa Bay, which is, I think, a very interesting situation because Tampa Bay is one of those teams that should be better than they actually are. They've got some talented guys, obviously, Jameis Winston, who I still think has what it takes to be a quality quarterback in this league. And Bruce Arians is sort of known as the quarterback whisperer. He was there for Andrew Luck's rookie year uh, when they made the playoffs. Um, he, During his time in Arizona, he sort of lifted Carson Palmer to a level he had never been before. So Bruce Arians is sort of known for taking these – you know, young or mediocre quarterbacks at the time and at least getting something better out of them. He's got a lot of other great weapons in Tampa Bay and Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. uh, They really like what um, Jones is doing, the running back, the rookie last year. Uh, So they've got some guys. And the reason I'm most interested in him is because I thought that was, in terms of who the coach was, the best hire. Bruce Arians is a pretty proven guy. He took the Cardinals to the NFC Championship game uh again he was a great coach for the uh, Colts he's been around the league for a really long time so I mean I'm just interested to see how he impacts that team how he can sort of change them make it his own and whether or not they could sort of go on a run they're in a very difficult division so I mean I don't expect too much from them this year but another thing is I don't know how long Bruce Arians is going to be there like I said he had told the Cardinals he wasn't going to be back uh now he is So just that whole dynamic with that team, and especially with him and Jameis, is something I'm really looking forward to this year.
0: Yeah, it's a great call. And I was going to pick this one as well, and we'll talk about a different coach in a second. But part of the reason that Bruce Arians stepped away a couple years ago from being the head coach of the Cardinals was health. Uh, He had some health episodes, and we know that Bruce Arians' health throughout the years hasn't been the best. And... Uh, Just today, Peter King said that Bruce Arians looks better than he's ever been. He's down like 25 pounds, and you're hoping that he's healthier and he could stay there for a while. I think you're right to point out the relationship between him and Jameis. I think it's actually fascinating, to tell you the truth, to talk about how just how well Bruce Arians' offense seems to fit Jameis Winston. Like Jameis Winston has always been a quarterback who's looked to kind of throw the ball down the field, and he's looked for ways to move the ball further down the field like 10 plus yards rather than kind of those short area targets and that's really what bruce arians offense excels at um pff released a study this week by timo which gay that talked about no you gotta you gotta you gotta hear this it's crazy no no like um, pff <laughs> oh <laughs> um, Basically, they charted expected versus observed average depth of target. And like Carson Palmer's expected A dot was huge. It was like one of the biggest. And Jameis Winston's actual A dot was also huge. And so it sort of seems like, hey, that might actually be a very nice mix of this Jameis Winston skill set with what Bruce Arians' offense are most frequently the best at. Um, not to mention, he's got the personnel there to do it. Like Mike Evans is a guy who can stretch the field. You've got Chris Godwin who can stretch the field at different times. Even a guy like OJ Howard could come in and stretch the field for you, running seam, you know, running down the seam from the tight end position. So I think this match is going to be very, very interesting. Now, conversely, I do just want to talk about this really quickly. I am not really that excited for what Todd Bowles is going to do for this defense. I think it's going to be better than the defenses that he coordinated when he was the head coach for the Jets. But I just, this defense is really lacking in playmakers. And maybe that's more of why I'm excited about Arians and Jameis is because I think they are going to have to really rip it to make up for the defense. Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: The secondary isn't great, but um, I really liked the Devin White pick. I think he's going to be a really, I think he's going to be a stud in this league um yeah i mean yeah you're I And mean, look the defense is going to be i think fine I, I certainly that's the weaker part and i it, like yeah the offense will have to sort of make up for it but i mean i don't know the thing about the bucks is yeah their secondary is not great but they have a really good defensive line jpp they get brought in and sue they got a couple younger guys in there as well shaquille barrett is going to be there now So, I mean, they've got some guys who can maybe make something happen, but yeah, I mean, listen, Todd Bowles is also sort of the secondary whisperer, I guess you could say. He really takes lacking secondaries and makes them better, so maybe it's a good match.
0: I don't know if I would call Todd Bowles the secondary whisperer. He didn't exactly do great things with the Jets secondary these last couple years.
1: I don't know about that. He certainly, in my opinion, they were better than they could have been. You think about what they had.
0: Maybe we could argue about that at a different point. But I guess – so I was going to say Bruce Arians is my answer for this question. (laughs) Um, You brought up Matt LaFleur, and he interests me a little bit too. And, again, it's the same kind of thing, relationship between the head coach and your quarterback. And in the case of Matt LaFleur, he's got a much more established quarterback. Um, Matt LaFleur's offenses haven't really been that productive from spot – you know, stop to stop along – his coaching career, he's been associated with some great coaches, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, right? Like this guy has a pedigree that's definitely that like people would aspire to. And yet when he called plays in Tennessee last year, it was kind of underwhelming. Maybe that's because of Marcus Mariota. Uh, you heard today uh, on, I think it was Robert May said this, basically like the relationship between LaFleur and Rogers is actually kind of a good one. Um, Rogers wants to maintain some autonomy, I think in particular in like the red zone and two minute drill for the offense. And otherwise he's going to lean on the floor. And, and this offense is probably going to look pretty similar to what Kyle Shanahan's offense looked like when he coordinated the offense in Atlanta a couple of years ago when they made the Super Bowl. Um, I think it could be really interesting, which is why I would probably have him as my second choice here. But yeah, I don't know. Cliff Kingsbury is another name. It just, I think people who maybe have been paying attention are going to be surprised that we didn't name Cliff Kingsbury. Um, yeah. Obviously, I think that this team is going to be that team is going to be interesting to watch. But
1: I'm not. That, I don't know
0: until I see it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not yeah. sold on it.
1: The thing is, I think Cliff Kingsbury is going to be like. I mean, next year, I'm interested to see how Kingsbury goes because, to be honest with you, they're they're still pretty far away as a team. They are. Their offensive line is still god awful. Um, they they don't have Patrick Peterson for the first six games of this season. So, I mean, the thing about LaFleur is I, I would literally, I would not be surprised depending on what happens if Matt LaFleur is fired after this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, you wonder how short of a release she has.
1: Especially because... if another guy is either fired or let go of and the Packers think that they would rather go after him to be their staple guy.
0: It's possible. Um, I don't know, too early to tell right now. Anyway, let's talk next about, uh, which, which same face new place. So this is someone who has been in the league for a while. Uh, are you the most interested in? So like who now has a change of scenery, but they've been in the league for a little bit. Now they're in a different place. Who excites you?
1: Well, I mean the obvious answer and the one I'm going with is Brown, Antonio Brown, uh, traded from the Pittsburgh Steelers to the Oakland Raiders for uh, a bag of balls. Um, I mean, that's I think that's just the right answer. He's probably the most interesting situation he really wanted out of Pittsburgh. He's going to a place. The other thing about Antonio Brown is I'm interested to see just how well he plays with Derek Carr because he is a wide receiver more so than I actually kind of think the other better ones. I mean, certainly this isn't the case for DeAndre Hopkins or even um, Julio Jones, where when Ben Roethlisberger went out, Antonio Brown almost became invisible. He, his production suffered a great deal without Ben Roethlisberger. So I still think he's a great wide receiver. I'm just curious to see how he does with Derek Carr, how he does with John Gruden, that whole dynamic. I think that is the most interesting sort of move of this off season. It's the move that was the most looked at. And I think it's the move that could have the most positive impact for sure, but it could also be a detriment depending on how Antonio Brown pl- plays. Although at the same time, they only gave up a third and a fifth for him. So maybe it's not that bad, but I, it does seem like the most boomer bust type of move to me.
0: I agree with you when you say boomer bust. I'm, I'm really not excited about oh. Antonio Brown oh, in oh. Oakland. Oh man. Um, and it has honestly nothing to do with Antonio Brown, but everything to do with Derek Carr. I just, I don't really have any faith in Derek Carr and Derek Carr's skill set to be able to appropriately unlock. Antonio Brown's best attributes, which are like passes down the field. So like how this looks is going to be interesting. I think you're right. I just have very, very little confidence in it. Um, so do I. It's funny though. We both picked receivers because my answer is Otto Beckham Jr.
1: Oh, that's, oh, that's the other obvious one.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I think it's funny. You said that you thought yours was obvious that I think mine's really obvious. I love Odo Beckham Jr. in Cleveland. You love it. Um, I think when he, I think how he fits into an offense that's going to be coordinated by Freddie Kitchens and when Todd Monken. I think you know there are all these stats you can find them all over the place that say something like Odo Beckham probably suffered the most last year in terms of targets or, or passes being off target and inaccurate. And Baker Mayfield is known for his accuracy and his ability to deliver balls where they need to be, so that. Only his wide receiver can get them. Um, This is just going to be, I think, so much fun. And look, don't get me wrong. I would not be surprised if they start off relatively slowly. I think it's definitely possible that, you know, things are still trying to be worked out a couple games into the season. But I I think they're just going to go completely and totally off at some point.
1: Oh, I think so too. Um, I mean, the thing with Odell is he's very much a Cam Newton player where when things are going great, fantastic we're doing really well when things aren't going so great everyone sucks you know the other thing is odell really has to learn which i don't think this is as big a problem as people might have made it out to be he needs to learn that When i mean listen he's the kind of player that i think look if he has a game where he catches the ball 50 times for 50 yards and they still win that's a good game you know because he's got i mean look they got jarvis landry david njoku antonio callaway is an up-and-coming guy Uh, Nick Chubb at running back, Kareem Hunt will come back eventually. They got a lot of guys in Cleveland, and I don't think this is going to be the case, but Odell, in my opinion, I do see a world in which the Browns are winning games, but Odell is unhappy because he's not necessarily getting the ball.
0: That's interesting. Um, Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. I mean, the Browns have a lot of mouths to feed on offense. I, I don't know if that's going to be something that's ultimately going to you know rub him the wrong way. Um, I think a lot right now is being made of all of the personalities in Cleveland, and I just don't actually know if that's an issue. Um,
1: I I think it can be an issue. I think it's. I, I, think, I think it can, can really be. be an issue.
0: I think it can be an issue. I just I, I'm not convinced it's an issue right now. You know, and look, I mean, they're not playing games yet, so. Well, who's to say, like, maybe if they lose a couple games, all of a sudden people are yelling at each other and it's not great or whatever. Well,
1: the other thing is they have a head coach that, in my opinion, has no business being a head coach this year in Freddie Kitchens. I like in no way should he be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, in my opinion. And I'm just I mean, he's got a lot of talent and there's going to there's a lot of pressure on him. So I mean, again, they can take it, they can use it, and they can be really good with it, or it could kind of blow up in their face.
0: You know, it's funny. You said that to me a while back, and everyone was so quick to kind of anoint Freddie Kitchens as this this great head coach, and it it, it was so awesome that the Cleveland Browns were able to keep him, and then they brought in Todd Monken, and then they well, you know, Todd
1: Monken has apparently been poopy. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, yeah. So there is reported friction between Munkin and, and Kitchens and then...
1: And Baker. I
0: I mean, I don't know. I, I'll say this. I think, yes, definitely personalities can come to a head. This is a volatile group, to say the least. They they definitely have some volatile people, but... Um, in in Beckham's case, I'm not even sure how much of it is him and how much of it is just the Giants being the Giants because the Giants seem to have their own issues.
1: Well, the thing um, is, I mean, like people said, like, oh, does you know Odell like that Saquon's here? And I mean, like, it didn't re- it didn't seem like that was ever an issue last year.
0: No, and 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 look, Baker's a, Baker's a different guy. Baker's a different personality. Baker will hold his teammates accountable. Um, just going back to kitchens really quick, it is going to be interesting to see how he handles this. This is not a territory that he's been in before, meaning been being the head coach. Um, you know, I think that relationship between your offensive coordinator and your head coach, when your head coach is the play caller, and I, I'm, I'm thinking I haven't heard anything otherwise, so I'm assuming that Freddie Kitchens is going to call plays yeah. for them. Um, that's that relationship is super important, and we've already heard that it's kind of on the rocks here. So I, I don't know; it's going to be really interesting. With all that being said. I, I love Oda Beckham Jr. here I think he's I think he's primed for a career year I really
1: yeah, do I agree
0: and I, I think it's going to be appointment viewing I just watching Oda Beckham jr. play football is it, it's just like a pleasure.
1: jeez come Jesus calm down I,
0: I'm, I'm very yeah i am feel it My All right. let's move our attention to the draft. Uh, yeah, we're gonna fair. talk first about we're gonna first kind of limit ourselves to only first round picks. And the question I have for you is, which first round pick will have the biggest impact?
1: Uh, You go first.
0: Okay. So, in my mind... Now, I want to clarify something really quick. Do you mean just this year? When you wrote this question, did you mean just this year or did you mean in general?
1: Yes, I meant just this year.
0: Okay. Uh, I think it's Kyler Murray. Oh! I I was going down the list of first round picks. You're crazy. And... (laughs) Uh, i mean maybe i was going through the list of first round picks and you know none of these names really excited me i i I can see a lot of these guys contributing um and i can see a lot of them contributing in different ways but i don't think any of them is going to have an impact like the impact that kyle murray is going to have um And I know that that's risky because he's a first-year quarterback and we understand the first-year quarterbacks tend to struggle or tend to at least take some time kind of getting adjusted to the league. And while I think that's very true, Kyler Murray is in a unique position because he's already pretty well versed in his head coach's offense. It's similar-ish to the one that he ran in college. Um, So that that understanding of like adjusting himself to the NFL – In terms of concepts, isn't going to be there. But, you know, in terms of like play speed, is definitely going to be a factor. You know, guys are just bigger and stronger and faster in the NFL. So I'm not going to, I'm not saying that Kyler Murray is going to come in and all of a sudden be like, you know, light the world on fire. I think he could be very good this year, but I think he's definitely going to have to adjust. And it'll be a very interesting case study to see exactly how long it'll take him to adjust to the game. With that being said, I think out of all the first round picks, he has the highest chance to have the biggest impact in 2019, 2020, this NFL season. Um, I I mean, it's going to be so interesting to watch him kind of guide some of these offensive concepts, some of these, you know, air rated offensive concepts that some of which are already in the NFL, but these, you know, different ones, these like five wide receiver sets all the time. Um, you know, guiding those into the NFL, I think, is going to be really interesting for Kyler Murray. It's, I don't know. I, I, I think he's the best shot to have the biggest impact.
1: All right. Well, that's your opinion, I guess. Um,
0: I guess you disagree with me. You don't think that no. he's going to have a, the biggest he, impact.
1: He Kyler Murray will be sacked forty plus times this year, um, and he will have like at least. Mm, I think he will have at least twenty turnovers in total, from I fumb- don't. fumbles to interceptions.
0: Just to play devil's advocate, really quick.
1: Yeah, go
0: ahead. I I think all of that could be true, and he could still have the biggest impact.
1: That's insane. Listen, I look in my opinion. I came up with two guys. The first was Josh Allen. Josh Allen is going to already a good defense in the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think Josh Allen could have ten plus sacks this season. I legitimately.
0: Whoa! Think that. Whoa! Okay. He's okay.
1: He's on a defensive line with Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe, who will both be double teamed, leading him one-on-one most plays if he's out there and he's really contributing. I mean, depending on how well the Jaguar defense goes, I think that's really what I, – I think he can have that sort of impact. But the guy I'm really going with is uh, Devin Bush, linebacker drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers last season made a huge mistake by not finding a replacement for Ryan Chazier, um, and their defense suffered enormously from it. Without Chazier, that defense was just a completely – you know, it just the quality decreased such a significant amount. um Now, bringing in Devin Bush, I really like his game. He's going to be a starter and impact player immediately. And this is a Steelers team that look, they still think that they can go out and one, make the playoffs, two, maybe win the division. You know, and he's going to be out there every single play. And I think, especially if the Steelers end up going 9 and 7, 10 and 6 a big reason is going to be the improvement of their defense. And a big reason for that is going to be finally having someone in the center like Devin Bush, calling out plays, uh, learning as he goes throughout the year until eventually they're one of the more, at least top half defenses in the league.
0: That's a really, I I think those two are both very interesting points. Um, I'll give you my pushback on them. For Josh Allen, it's good to point out, but, and, and I know that, Obviously, he's going to have everybody around him. Um, and that's definitely going to help. Don't get me wrong. But I just – I feel like pass rushers who are rookies, especially edge rushers, typically struggle
1: Bradley in their Chubb. rookie
0: years. What? Bradley Chubb. Yeah, that's, I know. But that's like that's – Right, but that's almost the exception to the rule. And, 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 I, and you're right. Bradley Chubb was really good. But I mean – I, look, I'm not saying that Josh Allen is not going to have a good rookie season. I'm just saying it, it might show up in other ways. And, and those, like a 10-plus sack season is is a really bold prediction to make. Um, now, I do like saying Devin Bush. And he's going to be brought in to play a really big role for that Pittsburgh defense. And that would be my only hesitation for him. It's like, this guy's going to be asked to do a ton. He's going to be asked to do a lot of stuff and really anchor the core of this defense. And I mean look, I think he's capable of it. I just don't know if he's capable of it as a rookie. I
1: I don't know. I mean the thing is, I don't know. You chose a quarterback on a team that will most likely go maybe four and twelve this season. I don't see that as impact. Like I don't get it. like that's just I don't you know, like I don't like that. I don't see that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm with you. I understand. I understand your complaints like, and your, your like impact. Is a guy,
1: impact is a guy that, as a rookie, is making plays for a team that is better than they should be. You know, like another another interesting one would be Nikhil Harry, mostly just because Nikhil Harry at one point might get eight eight touchdowns because he's on the Patriots, but he's still contributing a lot as a rookie.
0: Yeah, I just in the case of like a guy like Nikhil Harry specifically, he's. Just not in a place where he's really contributing right now. He's not looked too great in Patriots camp. And so, you know, no, I know, I know. And I'm not saying, right. And exactly at the time we're recording this, you know, training camps have been going on for literally a week. So it's all kind of brand new. I'm just saying, I think Kyler Murray could have the biggest impact because of what he could bring to the game along with the rest of that offense. Um, But anyway, enough about first round picks. Give me. The late round pick, we're going to define that here as third round or later that you think was the best late round pick in the draft.
1: Yeah, so we're doing just who we think will be the best player from these later rounds or what was the best pick from these, not necessarily who's going to have the biggest impact. Um, I'm going with a guy that I really liked, and it kind of just shows the depth of – it kind of just shows the depth of the defensive line in this draft was Zach Allen, the first pick of the third round by the Arizona Cardinals. I liked the Cardinals draft. The one thing I didn't like was that they literally just forgot the offensive line was a thing, Um, but they got a lot of great players. And Zach Allen was a guy who I thought was going to be maybe a high second rounder, but I think the depth of the defensive line in this draft just sort of, you know, pushed him down a bit. He's a guy that I think could sort of be, at least in the beginning, a Chris Long type of player where he's a rotational guy coming in, working with some of the other guys on that defensive line. I think he's going to end up with a few sacks this season. I think he's only going to get better as his career goes on. Just based on everyone else that was drafted later in the draft, I think that pick was the one that I look at the most and say, yeah, that is a good pick. He is going to be a guy that will contribute for years to come. Um, There are other players that I really like. And then I think could really contribute, but I think he has the best chance to do something right away. And for the rest of his career.
0: Yeah. So before we get to the other players, I'll give you mine. Um, first of all, I wish that we, uh, I know we said round three and I think it makes sense to say round three here, but there are like five wide receivers who came off the board in the very end of round two that I wish were eligible and that I could have picked with this pick. Yeah. Or this, You know, McCall Hardman, JJ Arcega, Whiteside, Paris Campbell, and Isabella, DK Metcalf, all, I think, really great picks, and a lot of whom ended up in situations that are almost perfect for their skill sets. Uh, I wish I could have picked them, but we're going late-round pick, and we defined it as three or beyond. Uh, if you had given me one for this year, I really love the Rams taking uh, David Long, a cornerback out of Michigan, in the third round. I think that was a great pick for them. He's probably going to play slot corner. Mm. Um I just, I think he could do really well in the NFL, and I think he could be their starting slot corner this year or at least push for starting time by the end of the year. Um, him, along with some of the additions they've made to their secondary, like Eric Weddle, and then their pass rush unit by bring, bringing in Clay Matthews, I think that could be really awesome. Um, however, if you're asking me to take a pick that I think is going to have the best impact over the course of his rookie contract and I'm glad that you clarified this because I originally was not going to say this guy, but I'm going to say him now. And you know how much I love him is chase Winovich. The Patriots picked him in round three. He just like fits the mold of what the Patriots look for, you know, accomplished dude from a big program. He's not super flashy, but his numbers were productive. The underlying testing numbers were great. He could because I don't know if I would have said Chase Winovich if he ended up in anywhere other than New England.
1: Uh, no, there so. were, I, I don't know. There were other places. I, I mean, like, look, it, really, if he ended up with a good team, because that is kind of the player that he is, where he's a guy that, if he's on a good team, will contribute like that early.
0: That's fair. But I think
1: he got dropped think... by the Saints, I think you'd say the same thing.
0: That's fair, yeah, but I I think particularly given what we know about New England's ability to develop dudes like this, makes him a really good candidate for I this agree. answer. If you if you had to pick someone in like rounds five through seven, oh,
1: screw you! I'm not prepared for this.
0: Do you know? I'm oh, just uh, I, I I have uh, one, and I'm just curious if you
1: have anybody um, else. Um, actually, well, I I was thinking about doing him. Uh, Deontay Thompson, also Cardinals pick, is not a bad one. Um, who's yours?
0: So I think a sneaky answer to this question is Blake Cashman picked uh, by the yeah. New York Jets in the yeah. fifth round. I was going to say, I that. mean like with Cashman, the interesting thing about Cashman is he was, so there were like two really big inside linebacker prospects this year, right? In this year's draft, yeah. they were Devin Bush, who we already talked about went to Tampa Bay and then, or excuse me, Devin Bush went to Pittsburgh and then Devin White went to Tampa Bay. And behind them, it was kind of just like this general shrug, like, huh? I don't know. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And like Cashman has the athleticism. He's got kind of the attitude that you would like. I know a lot of people had him as the third inside linebacker prospect on their boards. I think what's nice about Cashman is that he's probably going to contribute on special teams this year, Oh yeah, which is going to be great, but he's already rotating in with the first team defense. Greg Williams is like, trying to get him in wherever he can. Blake Cashman's ability also is really to contribute in the passing game. Like he would probably be better in coverage than he is stopping the run. And that's just becoming increasingly important. Um, I, I would not be surprised to see him become a starter at some point in his NFL career. It's not going to be this year. No. But this is a sneaky option for like a, a very good late round pick by the New Jets.
1: Yeah, I like that. Um, Keyshawn Johnson, uh, another Cardinals pick, wide receiver, has been getting a lot of praise at camp. Daryl Henderson, you, just, you mentioned. You the, just
0: really like the. Uh, you're you're thought, really big said, on the. Uh, they had a
1: good. They had a good draft. Their offensive line is still utter garbage, but in terms of like the players they picked, I like that. Byron Murphy was a great pick. He was a second rounder. Um, in terms of the Rams, Daryl Henderson, the Ryan back out of Memphis, also that was a great pick. Like that was literally a perfect pick for them. Question marks about girly. They lost C.J. Anderson. They literally got, hey, younger C.J. Anderson, come <laughs> come to the Rams. Like, if there's any girly questions, Anderson is going to be great for them.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. All right, so let's move on. So you called this your most, most WTF thing that happened this offseason. I called it the thing that made you go, huh? And I, what's funny is, huh?
1: Listen. There are two answers to this question. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they are both committed by the same team.
0: Okay. Go ahead.
1: the f- The most one is uh, the drafting of Daniel Jones by the oh. New York Giants at six overall. What were you going to say? Very playing? interesting. Okay, go for it. Go for it. All right. Listen, Josh Allen. Picture this, Matthew. Picture this. Okay. Your defense. I'll picture it. I'll your picture defense it. Sucks. And on the board is arguably the third best player in the draft. And guess what, Matthew? He's an edge rusher. He's so good too. But instead, you pick a guy that literally, literally, the let's see, four, five. Twenty-seven teams behind you in the first round said they would not draft. Until at yeah. least actually, there were a good half of them that said they wouldn't draft him until day three. Of the draft. Yeah. But you take him sixth overall. And guess what? When he goes into training camp, have you heard what they've said about him in training camp?
0: No. I Actually, love it. I haven't. I haven't yeah.
1: actually been spending a lot of time they've trying, said things, Giants training camp. They've said things along the lines of, oh, he's learning every day. Woof. Getting better. He's got a lot to learn, but getting better. And, and everyone, everyone's just like, oh, God, this guy sucks, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, that's not what you want.
1: So that was, I mean, that was just it to me. The Giants, mostly because... The Giants have made a lot of very weird moves this offseason. And I was just sort of the, you know, the cherry on top of the sundae, the icing on the cake, whatever, where you were just kind of like, oh, what the heck are they doing? Like, what really is their plan?
0: So maybe the most confounding thing about the fact that the Giants decided they were going to draft Daniel Jones at six overall is
1: they had another pick in the first round. Yeah, and They probably could have gotten them then. They No, they 100% could have gotten him then. They were like, well, the Redskins could have taken him. And the Redskins were like, yeah, nah. Like, no, they
0: no, they were literally like, we're not going to take him. Sorry. So I, I just can't. It's, it, it is unfathomable to me that they took him there. And yes, that is that is maybe the biggest thing this offseason that made me go, huh? But I think a, my answer to this question from the other side, the most WF thing, WTF excuse thing. me yep <laughs> the most wtf thing that happened this offseason is the lack of a suspension for Tyreek Hill.
1: oh okay all right you know eh, eh, you're getting cheeky here
0: i am getting a little cheeky, cheeky I'm, not to, I'm not going to i'm not gonna lie to you i am getting a little cheeky but i'm sorry i'm gonna stand on my soapbox and i know that you agree with me so feel free to chime in whenever you want but the fact that we had this mounting evidence against Tyreek Hill, and I understand that he wasn't charged. I, I get all of that. But the fact that we had all of this stuff, we, all of this evidence, and including the fact that he had previously committed an act of domestic violence, and the NFL claims that this does not violate your, your like, NFL personal player conduct policy, is just complete and utter bullshit. Yeah. like oh, you, This dude needed to get suspended. And the fact that he's not suspended at all, like zero, is just the thing that completely and totally blows my mind from this offseason. This was the I think the biggest surprise of this offseason because everybody, even yeah. the most conservative people, uh, toward this, and I, I don't mean politically conservative, I mean conservative and conservative in terms of like predicting NFL suspensions. Yeah. Even those people said that Tyreek Hill was going to be suspended for at least like two games.
1: Well, that was the thing. And I mean, a lot of people sort of thought it would be longer because there was a point where people were talking about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs without – I mean, assuming Tyreek Hill wouldn't be there for a significant amount of time. I don't know. Uh, like we could talk about that for hours. The biggest thing that I think both of us would agree is I don't care if he did it or not. If I'm the league, I don't understand how you don't punish the guy for one, what he said – and two, just to say, hey, Tyreek, can you just, like, chill real quick? Like, hey, right. Tyreek, like, we've had a lot of problems with this. Can you just, like, not for, like, if you, like, can we just, like, get you out of here for, I thought he deserved, it. it look, yeah, the evidence, whatever, which is a stupid thing, but I thought he deserved at least four games. Um, I would have been fine if they upped it to six. Kareem Hunt got, like, ten. Oh, no, like, eight. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I guess that was a pretty WTF thing.
0: I think my biggest thing here, and this is the last thing I'll say before we move on to, you know, kind of off season summaries, but like I, something to keep an eye on with this moving forward is where do the chiefs sit in their extension talks with
1: Tyree kill? Oh, they are going to pay him a buttload of money, which is upsetting. So
0: They are going to pay him money. I agree with you. I think it's going to happen from my point of view. The thing that I'm most curious about is when that happens. So you would I think, you think know, that
1: they need to distance themselves
0: from it a little I bit? I disagree. I, I, I don't I know.
1: Think, I think I, I, really Chiefs, this is the perfect time to do it because he's at his least valuable right now.
0: It's possible. I mean, it well, it's really shitty to say, but I, like is, the but you're right. Business, like This is the least valuable that Tyreek Hill will ever be.
1: Business, from a strategy perspective. You say to Tyreek Hill, listen, bud, you're a liability. We're going to pay you a lot of money, but hey – we're not going to pay you more than Michael Thomas. We'll pay you right around there. You know, he just got paid today. Actually, he's getting twenty million dollars a year. We'll give you right around there, but no more because you are a liability. And if I'm Tyreek Hill, I don't know how you can sit there and say that's BS because it's the truth.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I yeah, it's. I don't know. It just upsets me. Anyway, let's move on. Um, now we're going to talk about. Best and worst off seasons. I like to start with worst off seasons because then we can kind of lead into what is the best, and you know, end on a high note. So I'll let you go first. Which team in the NFL had the worst off season?
1: Uh, the New York Football Giants, because Ooh. I don't even know what they're doing. I, I really, we've summed up them pretty well, but here, here's just a bit of a recap. They have a 41-year-old quarterback and a 23-year-old quarterback who shouldn't be quarterbacking. They traded their best wide receiver and signed Golden Tate, which they gave an exorbitant amount of money to, too much money, who is now suspended for the first four games of the season. Their defense sucks. Uh, They just, uh, they did literally, they took a big step backwards this year, I think more so than every other team.
0: Man. It's really hard to disagree with you. Yeah, uh-huh. but I think there's a team that's had a worse off a worse off season. Say it. I feel bad for the Cincinnati Bengals.
1: Uh, you know, well, mm, the thing is, in my opinion, the Bengals just didn't go anywhere, which technically means they moved backwards because everyone got a year, um, you know, a year older. But there are some things that happened to them that they couldn't control.
0: So, all right, so let's let's dig into it. First of all, they had an uninspiring draft, I would say. Yeah. My favorite pick of theirs from the draft is Jonah Williams, who was their, was their first pick. And guess what happened to you. Jonah Williams? He's out for the season, so that's not – Jonah Williams, course. who was, I think, going to start for them at left tackle, uh, is out for the year. Yeah, that's uh, a huge that point. means that they have to now slide Cordy Glenn back out from left guard to left tackle. Oof. Their previous left guard retired. Yeah. yeah. Um, Like, all of that combined with the fact that, again, their draft was relatively uninspiring. Like, the other picks that I like from them are a defensive tackle in Ronell Vran out of Arizona State. And then they picked two running backs for some reason. They picked Trevion Williams out of Texas A&M and Rodney Anderson out of Oklahoma, who are both good picks. But maybe your best offensive player right now is Joe Mixon. So what are you... like? What are you doing? Taking two running backs, and I know they took them late, but still, like they tried to address needs in different places, and I just don't don't think yeah. they did very well. They didn't. They and, really
1: uh, didn't do anything. If we're being serious, no.
0: And then the like the biggest the biggest blow to their entire season has been that AJ Green went down recently, but with again, a pretty severe ankle injury.
1: But again, they can't control that. I mean, yeah, it sucks. I mean, in terms of like just a worse luck offseason, it's definitely the Bengals because they had a guy that was promising and A.J. Green go down. So you don't know, but still, can't blame them for that.
0: No, and, and you can't blame them for that. But the one thing that you can blame them for is the hiring of Zach Taylor as their head coach. And look, Zach Taylor could come in and Zach Taylor could just be Sean McVay. That just is how this could happen. Is it likely that's going to happen? Absolutely not. There is one Sean Mivet. That's,
1: that is not going to happen. I can guarantee you that is not going to Especially with the guy the Bengals got in because everyone was like, what the heck is this? Why are you doing this?
0: Well, and then everyone had a bunch of questions surrounding how he was building out his offensive staff. Like it, like, yeah. it just doesn't I, it's just, They just had a bad off season. They really did. And and look, maybe all of this is like a secret tank so that they can get Tua. <laughs> like It's it's not so secret. Because... It's, it, right. But like, man, I don't know. It, I think there were people who were optimistic about the Bengals this year, just in terms of like, hey, they might be able to outperform, outperform expectations. Now, I've seen Really no only ones, because their expectations or expectations for them were so low to begin with.
1: Yeah. Honorable mention Miami Dolphins, who, uh, in my opinion, made another WTF move in trading for Josh Rosen when they're going to get to us, So it doesn't really make sense. But anyway, let's move on.
0: I don't actually think that was a WTF move. and I disagree on that. I, we could talk about that in a different time. Josh Rosen but sucks. We, I think the I think the worst part of them trading for Josh Rosen is the fact that there's a chance Josh Rosen does not beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick he and will beat out Ryan. He's not a good quarterback. So let's move on and not all talk right. about it. In your opinion, the NFL team that had the best offseason.
1: All right, I'm going to get a little controversial here. Um, all right, there <laughs> is there is an answer to this. Oof. Which I hope you say. I, agree. Um, I I hope you say this one because I'm going with another team and I'm actually, not to be a homer, I think it's the Jets.
0: Woof. Oh, um, man. Oh, rest in peace, the Jets 2019 season now.
1: <laughs> no, but the, the only thing I have to say is in terms of how you looked at that team at the end of the season versus now who do you feel better about, like the most I, the most better about, like who improved the most, I think it's the Jets. From a standpoint of what did they need to do? They, they need to go out they need to get big-name players. Le'Veon Bell, CJ Mosley, they might have overpaid for him a bit, but they could have afforded that. Jamison Crowder, all solid guys. Osemale on the offensive line was a really good get as well. They brought in Adam Gase, which was controversial, but in my opinion – You look at the other head coaches, besides maybe Bruce Arians, who wasn't going to come to New York anyway, who they could have gotten. Adam Gase was one of the best guys. And then they brought in the new general manager, which I thought was a fantastic get because he's a guy – why is his name escaping me? Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas. He's a guy that a lot of people liked. And, look, they, they made news firing their old general manager, but bringing in Joe Douglas I thought was a great move. Not to mention in the draft, getting Quinn and Williams, which could honestly end up being the best player from this draft. I just think that for the Jets, for the first time in a long time, they have a distinct direction, and it seems like they are moving in the right one. And look, there's a team that obviously had a better offseason in terms of getting talent, but from a standpoint of turning yourself around, finally getting back in what you think and hope is the fast lane, I think they did a pretty good job of that this offseason.
0: The two things that could make this offseason be really good for the Jets are the continued development of Sam Darnold and if Joe Douglas turns out to be as good of a general manager as he is billed to be. Yeah. Those two things could be completely and totally huge for this organization. And I think there's reason for Jets fans, sad Jets fans like ourselves, yes. to be optimistic cautiously optimistic like oh yeah at the farm
1: but but, like that's the thing I'm not looking at this season saying well this is gonna suck I'm looking at this season like hey you know let's see let's see what happens maybe Le'Veon Bell rushes for 1300 yards maybe CJ Mosley has over you know maybe like about 150 total tackles maybe Sam Darnold gets up to maybe he throws for 30 touchdowns I don't know I think that could happen and I think for that reason I, I mean in terms of how fans feel from the end of last season to now, I think they had a pretty good improvement.
0: Yeah, it, it's the Jets are going to have an interesting season, no doubt. I think, again, the biggest thing for the New York Jets is the continued development of Sam Darnold. And the good news is that when the people who see him on a daily basis, the beat writers are there, and even the people who talk about Sam, you know, like um, Robert Mays said he sat down with Sam Darnold, And he was kind of talking about, hey, what's the difference this year between like having an offensive-minded head coach opposed to a defensive-minded head coach? and Because a lot of players will tell him that it's like night and day, right? And I think he actually said, Brian Winters said like, yeah, it's great. Like you could just feel a different energy on the offensive side
1: of the ball. Well, yeah, I mean, no doubt, which is, yeah.
0: Sam's answer was kind of like, to be honest, I don't know. Because yes, last year I was just trying to stay afloat. Yeah, and now this year I can see everything, and he's just he's caught up, and that's that's the biggest thing for him. Like Adam Gase is not the biggest thing; it's the fact that Sam is now can now like understand what's going on in the NFL and understand the NFL. Yeah,
1: and that's what you hope, especially, and that's where you see a lot of jump is in that second year. For sure. All right, say Um, the best season. Just say it. it. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, what? I think it's the in, Philadelphia Eagles. In what way, sir? Who do you. All right. Well, it's let's. The Cleveland let's friggin Browns, you jerk. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> well, all right. I
0: I understand you saying the, the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns
1: bad certainly bad. added
0: a great deal of talent
1: in the best offseason.
0: They the reason, added.
1: Cody, I mean, like the reason I say the Browns is because, in my opinion, the Browns are the only team that people look at and say if they don't get to the a- a- AFC championship game, it is a failure of a season. Based on the talent they have,
0: that's interesting. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think, I think that they are, should be the favorites to win the AFC North, and that I hope that they win the AFC North. But I don't, I don't agree that they necessarily should make it to the AFC Championship game, and otherwise, the season is a failure. Well, I think they
1: should. They I have, think from my, they have arguably the best wide receiver in football. They have another wide receiver who's pretty darn good. A lot of younger guys. They have a guy in Baker Mayfield who people are projecting, you know. I have a Pat Mahomes type season, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, lackluster offensive line, but then you talk about the defensive side of the ball. Some guys like Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, they have Sheldon Richardson on there now, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, you know, the corners they have drafting greedy Williams, throw that in there. And you look at that talent up and down. If they don't get, in my opinion, if they don't win a playoff game, at least it's a complete and utter failure.
0: All right, well, let me tell you why you're wrong. Go and ahead. the answer to this is actually the Philadelphia Eagles. Why? So the Eagles came into this position, came into this offseason in a pretty strong position as it is. Yes. In free agency, they add Malik Jackson Sick. into a rotation that already includes Fletcher Cox, it already includes Derek Barnett, among others. They had Andrew Sandejo for uh, backup. Andrew Sandejo, he was a safety. He is a safety. They had Vinnie Curry and they had Zach Brown, all of whom are going to play meaningful minutes for them at some point this season or at least add to their depth, which is huge. Then, in the draft, they go out and add arguably the best offensive tackle prospect in Andre Diller. Mm. They add Miles Sanders, which at the time kind of was surprising because you were like, well, wait a minute. Why are they adding Miles Sanders after they've already traded for that?" Wasn't Jordan good Howard? But it, the reports about Miles Sanders are fantastic. They add J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who's mm. going to be a red zone threat for Carson Wentz and the rest of this offense. Add to that the fact that now this is the second year for guys like Dallas Goddard. That they can just do so many things on both the offensive defensive sides of the ball. We My, talk a lot about how the New England Patriots can change themselves and kind of change their game plan depending on who they're playing. The, the Philadelphia Eagles can just be so varied but, and well, so multiple, particularly on yeah, offense. No, but that he's... Like,
1: you say Dude, that you need you a coach. never know what's happening. You need a coach that can do that.
0: Yeah, and I think Doug Peterson is a coach who can do it. Because I, I really, really
1: do. Because last season,
0: I think. I mean, look, understand that last se- last season was, you know, look, the NFL is really high in variance. Okay, last off, last season the Eagles were not as good as they were, you know, when they won the Super Bowl, and they might not be as good this year as when they won the Super Bowl either, but. This team just added a ton of talent on both sides of the ball. You know, I, I think when you go up and down this roster, I have a harder time finding a question mark than I do with a most, if not all of the other rosters except, yeah, for cornerbacks.
1: They have no cornerbacks. They don't. I, I would say they have – Their secondary is like one of the worst secondaries in the world. I don't the, think that's true. I, I think, think they have
0: – I think that's. I think they have a group of decent to good cornerbacks. No, and that those cornerbacks can be buoyed based off a of scheme, which we know Jim Schwartz can do, and do especially based off do? of the pressure that their defensive line and rotating in different defensive See, linemen and okay, pressures. Can
1: but do. they said they could do that last season, and they, yeah, but they, they didn't did. have.
0: They don't have the type of talent. They didn't have the type of talent that they
1: did. No, but Derek Barnett
0: gets hurt. You get guys rotating in and out. There were guys who were missing time here, right? Now they've got redundancy baked in pretty much on every layer of this roster. And Uh, I think that's going to be huge for them. They could could field almost like two teams. It's crazy.
1: Christian, it's crazy how deep. No, they don't. First of all, they have maybe three wide receivers. That's
0: I, just not true.
1: Go, list their wide receivers for me. Go ahead.
0: Nelson Aguilar, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Deshaun Jackson. They have Alshon uh, Jackson. Don't
1: put Deshaun Jackson in there.
0: I think Deshaun Jackson is going to have a, a substantial year for them.
1: You're wrong. L- the reason I, I, I would, would say, don't say they, don't have, they didn't have the best offseason is because, in my opinion, comp- look, listen, after the season ended, people were like, oh, the Eagles could win their division this year. Now the people are like, oh, the Eagles could win their division this year. It's this, you know, they didn't, like, yeah, they improved. Like, they had a solid offseason. But I'm not going to go ahead and say they had the best offseason out of anyone because, honestly, they didn't They didn't really – there were really no risks for them either. They didn't really have any chance of losing anyone.
0: I, I think that's short-sighted, though. I, like I, – I understand where you're coming from. And I think we just have, like, fundamentally different, like, approaches to this question. In, in my mind, the moves that the Philadelphia Eagles made – made them a much, much better team. And I know that, like, they didn't have that far to go in terms of being the favorite to win their division. But I, I just think now they have a chance to be very dangerous, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, which is great. Like, they could run 12 personnel and put Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard on the field all the time one week, and then next week they could come out. Yeah, they run, could, but they're not going to do that. do a whole bunch I think they are. I think that's what they're trying to do and what they're but starting that, to do. See,
1: I don't know why they would want to do that. I mean, I don't know. The thing is, I think the Eagles need an identity. And I think their identity should be what it was for the Super Bowl, which is Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz. And I'm not entirely sure he can do that this year. C- certainly not well, in the beginning. I don't Well, think. let's
0: talk about that, though. Let's talk about that, though, because I think one other reason that I would put them in kind of like the best offseason category is because of that Carson Wentz extension. And I understand that it's a lot of money to commit to Carson Wentz. We it's, all know that they a lot of love Carson Wentz. Okay, they love Carson Wentz there in Philadelphia. Um, but part of the reason that I'm optimistic about it, at least like cautiously optimistic about it, is because they got out in front of the Cowboys and their extension for Dak Prescott, and the Rams and the potential extension for Jared Goff.
1: Well, like okay, he, okay but he you say get all right,
0: and it's important. It's important
1: to get out. You say get out him. in the front, but you say get out in front, but out of all those three guys, yeah, you're gonna extend Carson Wentz first. I mean, yeah, you're not gonna sure. extend Jared Goff right now. That's just plain and simple. You're not going to do that. You're not you're going right. to extend Dak until you absolutely have to because Dak is getting paid four hundred thousand dollars this year. You yeah, know?
0: you're absolutely right. But in my mind, they
1: had to extend Carson Wentz. Or else there was gonna be a lot of backfire against them.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong, but like the fact that they had to and they did, and that it's a smart business decision doesn't devalue that move. You know what I mean?
1: No, like I, yes, but like I agree. just because
0: they had to do it doesn't mean that it's not a good move. No, I agree.
1: But, but listen, the fact of the matter is Carson Wentz could go out there and suck this season and suddenly everyone's like, Well, look at them now. You know, I yeah, mean but- yeah,
0: you I could say that about any of these guys, right? I don't know. If you like, say can, that. couldn't yeah. you say that about, say you know, about Trent Brown? Like, Trent the the Oakland Raiders played Trent ba- paid Trent Brown a ton of money, and not as Trent much Brown much and sucks. Not as much then, as
1: goes then like runs.
0: people are going to be like, "Wow, look at that contract. That's awful."
1: Okay, yes, but you no, again, it's different with a quarterback. It's much. to I mean, with yeah, a quarterback.
0: I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disagree with you, but like the fact of the matter is that now, I, I mean. Maybe not Dak Prescott, but, you know, you could argue that Dak Prescott should have this ability. But at the very least, like Jared Goff can walk into Les Sneed's office or Jared Goff's agent probably could walk into Les Snead's office and be like, look, you need to pay me what Carson Wentz is making.
1: I'm not so sure about that.
0: I mean, that's where the conversation would start. And then you'd go from there.
1: If I, if you know? I, well, if I was Les Snead, I'd say, you know, close the door on your way out if they do that.
0: Yeah, we can, look, we can argue – you and I can argue whether it's worth paying Jared Goff that amount of money or whether it's worth paying Dak Prescott that amount of money. I, I'm just saying that, like, in terms of quarterback contracts, the way that these contracts typically work is you go in, into your negotiations with whoever, like, whatever the deal the last guy signed was, right? And you say, This is where we start our negotiations. Not necessarily, but sure. and I look that's naive that that definitely is how this happens and i think the first thing to point out here is like he comes ahead of a whole bunch of other guys and not like not immediately on this list but who are relevant and who are coming up are patrick mahomes okay and so no, watching. you
1: can't say that they are not going to get extended before carson wentz that's just not how that works
0: I'm not – no, they're not going to get extended before Carson Wentz, obviously, now. But, like, if this – if they were waiting – They not going to. Carson Wentz came out a like
1: year before them. That's not how that works.
0: I know. But, Christian, what I'm saying is, like, if this waited until next offseason, if the Eagles said, you want to know what? We can let Carson Wentz play this out, and then we can either just negotiate an extension then, or we could franchise him, whatever. You run the risk of one of these other dudes being extended before him and having to pay more money. Like the fact of the matter is, this was smart for when they did it. I, don't I know. understand it's a big contract, but I would like
1: have, I would have waited. I would have waited the year. I would. Have, I would. I, would have, I, would have. I
0: think this makes a ton of sense. I don't, I don't know. know. You're talking,
1: talking about a guy who's it. coming off of a major knee surgery.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, has, he was about, but he, back he was issues. coming off a pretty significant knee surgery the year prior, and in 2018, like by At the numbers, back he issues. was actually just about as good as he was in 2017.
1: Well, no, he wasn't. <laughs> Yes,
0: he was. No,
1: he wasn't. <laughs> I, You're I, telling me a... Carson Wentz played at an MVP level in last season?
0: No, I'm not. No, but I, I'm saying so no. the perception was. of his 2017 was that he played at an MVP level. He in did. 2018, he played well, but the perception was different. Yeah. He still, like, year to year, he still played very well. And if that's the, if that's. If you are getting the Carson Wentz that is perennially a top five to ten quarterback, if not top one to five quarterback, don't
1: say that. Because you, you know what the truth about Carson, you know what the truth about Carson Wentz is, you can say with one hundred percent confidence he is injury prone. In two out of the three seasons, he has suffered a major injury.
0: Yeah, but you know, look, guys are injury prone until they're not, right? Like what? No, injury prone until he <laughs> is.
1: Tom Brady <celebrating> injury prone? <laughs> I no say no yeah but is like injury prone is phil rivers injury prone is ben roethlisberger injury prone no I, this is still
0: look this is still a good contract for them they had to do this i, I, I think I, I it's i i think it's funny that you disagree with me on this i really think they had to do it. i don't anyway know. i don't
1: think they had to i don't think they had to why don't we wrap
0: up the last thing i do want to call attention to Ugh. we don't have to talk about it but i think that it would be inappropriate to summarize this NFL offseason without at least touching on the debate that took over NFL Twitter, which is, do running backs matter?
1: No, it's not a debate. They don't matter.
0: Right. So now there is a big debate about it. Some people, some some of the more old school folks would tend to think that they do matter. Actually, Um,
1: I've not seen that at all.
0: If you are more, I think it's probably because of, who you follow and living a little bit in a bubble. I don't know. I, most to. of the people that I follow tend to think they don't too, but I know that there are a bunch of people who will defend running backs. Dan Orlovsky was one of them. Dan
1: Orlovsky is an idiot. They Running backs oh, do, literally days. do not matter. They, fire, they, takes. <laughs> <they> <laughs> <are> fire takes. They don't. fire takes. They don't. Do you know the only running back to ever lead his team in rushing yards and win a Super Bowl? I mean, lead the league in rushing yards and win a Super Bowl.
0: Is it Emmett Smith?
1: He is literally the only one to ever do it.
0: Anyway, look, the most important part is if you want to, if you want to feel like you were included in NFL Twitter this offseason, subscribe to the athletic lead an article by 10 Win 10, excuse me, Ted win where he goes through this entire debate. He talks to a bunch of different people about it. It's great. It's a great jumping off point. Um, I think it was a really important part of this NFL off season. It's going to continue to be an important storyline in terms of how the NFL is covered and how decisions are being moving forward. So probably good if you are a fan of the NFL to familiarize yourself with it. And with that, we'll wrap it up for this week. We're going to be back next week. What's our programming next week? Do we have a plan for that? Nope. <laughs> no, we totally do. Uh,
1: oh, I don't we think
0: I, no, we didn't. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, we'll be back next week. We'll broadcast this out when it's ready. Uh, But until then, we'll talk to you guys later.
1: Bye bye.